Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. Welcome to Fellowship Church. We're so glad that you guys are here to worship with us this morning. Would you stand at your feet? Whether you've been here one to two times or this is 20 years for you, we want you to feel welcome and at home in this place. We are just a bunch of believers coming together as a family to give all of the praise due to our Father and just to worship Him in a sweet way. So we hope that you feel comfortable here. One thing that some of our people do is they'll come out of their seats and they'll come down front and have a little more space to move or they'll come out into the aisleways and we want to make sure you know you are welcome to do whatever worshiping looks like for you. It's not about what we want but about where you're at with God. So please feel free to move around and do what you need to do. But if you all would bow your heads with me, we're just going to talk to our Father for just a second this morning. God, you are good, and Lord, there is no place that we would rather be than right here in your presence this morning, so Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, and some of us already got to encounter you in the nine o'clock service, and we say thank you for that, God, and I know you're going to honor that for 11 o'clock as well. New set of people, God, and you're going to do something new and fresh in this room, and so Jesus, we just say thank you for what you're already doing. Thank you that you are willing to meet with us. And we just want to give you all of the praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said, Amen!
You know, a verse that I kind of, I, I have memorized and I, and I say it to myself a lot is it, it's in Exodus 14, 14, and it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. And then it says this, and it's so important. It says, so just stay calm. And as I was praying about this, I just, I, I feel like there's lots of people and I, and I, and I picture like a fist and it's clenched tight because they've got to fight and they're in there and they're ready to swing and, and they're ready to go after it. And God is saying, Hey, Lord, I will fight for you. Just stay calm. Take a deep breath. And so collectively as a church right now, I want us to, if that's you in this room or, or on at home and, and you've got that fist and you're, and you're ready and you're ready to fight and you've got that, it's, it's fight or flight right now and you're choosing to fight. And I feel like God wants you to just go, take a deep breath. Let the Lord fight for you. And just stay calm. So, Father God, we do that. We unclench our fist. We take a deep breath. And we trust in you. That you yourself will come and fight on our behalf. And the truth is, God, you're undefeated. You're a champion. And all we have to do is stay calm. And let you do what only you can do. God, you are our champion. our back, God, and we watch you go forth and fight every battle and win every battle and earn every victory that is in our lives. And we simply watch and give you all the glory and all the honor for every one of those battles won, God. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. He's good, huh? All right, everybody, if you wouldn't mind, shake a hand, say hello to somebody, and go ahead and make it your way back to your seats. If you are watching and joining us online, hey, thank you so much for coming. We are so glad that you chose to watch with us online. Wherever you are at, you are a part of our family and we value you. Thank you for choosing us this wonderful Sunday morning. For those of you in the room as well as online, if this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. We love that you are here and we would love to know that you have come and this is your first time. Simplest way to do that is you can text 94,000 to Fellowship Church, uh, and that will give you a little bit more information about us, letting us know that that was your first time. If you're in the building here and this is your first time, you can take that one step further. You can head out into the lobby at the end of service, come to the information counter. We'd love to shake your hand, uh, answer any questions that you might have in person, as well as give you a free coffee drink, a specialty drink to you and everyone in your visiting party. So once again, thank you so much for coming. Also, if you've been coming to Fellowship Church and you're kind of wondering, what's my next step? What, what, how can I grow as a Christian? How can I grow as somebody, as a follower of God? Well, you can still text Fellowship to 94,000 and get in contact with somebody who might give you some suggestions of things. Maybe that's a life group and they could get you connected with other people who are in a similar stage or, or, or season of life and get you connected with other people and help you grow in that way. Maybe it's a class or, or, or baptism or an event that's happening coming up soon, but whatever it is, we want to make sure that the people here at Fellowship Church are continuing to take the next steps in their walks of faith, their next steps in their relationships with God. Our goal this year is to become closer and closer to Jesus, and it says in James that if we draw near to him, that he will draw near to us. So how do we get closer to him? We take those next steps 
and then he will take those steps and draw near to us. So if that's you and you're just wondering, I, I just want to, I want more. I need to take that next step. I need to continue to grow in me, my faith, then text fellowship to 94,000 as well. So as we get ready to give, there's lots of ways to give. You can text give. You can give on the Church Center app. Um, if you brought something that you would like to drop in a bucket, we don't pass buckets, but we will have uh, offering boxes outside of the doors as you leave. Um, also, you can mail in a, a ch- uh, it's called a ch- a check. A check? Am I saying that right? That's the check. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that. I'm not that young. But me and no, no joke though. Me and Julie have had the same box of checks since we first got married and are still like going through this because we don't write checks anymore. But nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> So obviously, as you prepare to give, I think a big uh, question of this is trust. And sometimes we go like, do I trust that if I give this to God, that he's going to give me back what I gave him plus more? And yes, there's promises in scripture that say that that is true. But I think more importantly, the trust isn't necessarily like, is this a good investment? And it is that, but deeper than that, I think it's, do I trust that God is who he says he is? Do I trust that when God says he's a good father, that gives good gifts to his kids, uh, that, that he will do that? Do I trust that when he says that every good and perfect gift is a gift coming down to us from, fa- from heaven who created all the lights in the heavens? Do we, do we trust that God is who he says he is? That when he says he is for you and not against you, that he wants what's best for you, that what he wants uh, to give you an abundant life? That's the question of trust. And so in this moment, I don't want us to just kind of like to, to give like it's another bill or, the, or this, this thing we have to do, but I want it to be a declaration in, in our hearts that says, God, I trust you. Not just with my finances, but I trust that you want what's best for my life, and if it starts with my pocketbook, then that's fine, and I'll start here because I know that you have so much more and so much better for me than I could ever hope, think, or imagine. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are a trustworthy God, that you're a good father who knows how to give good gifts, that you want what's best for us. God, and and our gifts to you, our offering and our tithe, God, let that be a declaration that we do trust you, that we put our faith in you and what you will do for our lives, that you want what's best for us, God. We love you, and I pray, Lord, a special blessing over each person in this room and watching online, God. Blessings on them so much. Bless them abundantly. Provide for them in supernatural ways that they never thought possible, God. Provide them with with raises, God, and and extra income or, or, or surprise checks, whatever it looks like, Father God. Or just don't let their car break down all year 2022. Let it be a zero car maintenance year, Father God, that we would be able to keep more of the stuff that you have given us, Father God. Whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as a church family. And thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoa, God bless you as you give. Here's a video to check out what else is going on here at Fellowship Church. On Sunday, February 6th, in between the 9 and the 11 o'clock services, we are going to be holding a baptism. If you have never been baptized, or maybe you were when a kid and you just don't remember, this is an excellent opportunity to publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ. It's so cool. Your family can come right up next to the pool with you and watch the entire thing. It's such a beautiful moment that we would love to have you be a part of. You can sign up on the Church Center app. On January 30th, we are going to be having a communion service where we take the time to celebrate and honor the work that Jesus did on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed for us. We really encourage you to try to make it in person for this service so that we can celebrate his work as a church body 
altogether. We are starting a new round of Rooted on January 30th, and this is a 10-week course that is designed for anyone that is new to fellowship or new in their walk of faith with Jesus. This is a great opportunity to meet other fellow Christians as well as grow closer to God. If you are interested, we encourage you to go to the west end of the lobby where you can sign up and get more information. The cost is $25. We are so excited to see you there. It's tax season, unfortunately, but we try and make it as easy as we can here at Fellowship Church. And so here's Pastor Will with some information about your 2021 giving statements. The 2021 giving statements are out and available for you. And it would really help us out as a church if you got on the Church Center app, open those up and let us know if there's anything that's missing or if you have any questions at all. Now, some of you may not know how to access your 2021 giving statements. For that, I'm here and I'll show you how. Come on. Open up the Church Center app. When you do that, it's going to just head to the home screen. Um, Here you can see everything you normally see. But on the top right, not everybody knows about this, but next to notifications is um, a little picture of yourself or a silhouette. And uh, that's your profile. And you can manage your household and you have different options there. But once you click into the My Giving option right there, you can see your donation history. You can manage payment methods. On the bottom, it says statements. Go ahead and click into there. Once you do, you'll see the 2021 contribution statement. Go ahead and look at anything in there. If you have any questions on anything or if anything's missing, let us know. But it helps us out if you at least get in there and open it up. We hope that you have been enjoying this series of Help My Personality is Showing. Here's Pastor Tim with the next part about how we can process pain. Well, have you ever noticed how quick things can change? You just think about the last two years. I mean, if you would have thought about two years ago, 2020, that we would go through the changes and the bizarre things that had happened in the last two years, you, you would have never thought that could have happened. But you think back, you know, over 10 or 20 or 30 years, or back maybe when you were a kid, how things are different. I was thinking the other day about my grandfather. My grandfather, I had a great relationship with him. Uh, he was born in 1900. You think about that. When he, when he came to Colorado, he came by stagecoach and train. And uh, he talks about the times that, that uh, he actually raced a Model T to the top of a pass uh, uh, for a dollar and lost. When he was born, there were no vehicles. When he was born, the Wright brothers hadn't even invented flight yet. But yet his lifetime, he saw the Great Depression two world wars. He saw a man walk on the moon. And by the time of his death in 1990, the United States was sending space shuttles up to orbit the earth. What change? Big changes, right? But you think about this, there's a lot of little changes that happen too uh, as we go through our life. You think about this. Think about how we responded to the doorbell, say 30 or 40 years ago. It's very different than today. When I remember as a kid, when the doorbell would ring, I mean, we would all fight as kids, like, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'm gonna get it. And we'd slide into the, on the linoleum on our socks and open the door, excitingly to see, just excited to see who's on the other side. A family may be standing there saying, well, you know, it was, we're doing our Sunday drive and, and we thought we would just stop by and say hello. That used to happen, right? <laughs> that used to happen. And not only that, but then you would invite them in. Well, come on in, come on in. Let me get you a piece of pie. Let me get you, let me get you some Sanka. Remember Sanka? 
You remember that? It's like it was, was the, uh, uh, the coffee that you could just, you know, make really quick. You just mix in a, in a cup with some hot water. They, they call that a Keurig now. That's what they, yeah. And you would, you would come in and now in my house, there was never any dessert left ever. So my mom would never, uh, you know, offer cake, but what she would do, she's like, you want a Coca-Cola? She's like a Coke. And then, and, and of course they'd respond. Yes. And it was like a big deal to get Coke. And, and you would, you would go into the living room and, and I remember my mom would pour everybody Cokes and, and we had those yellow goblet looking glasses that looked like they fell off an ugly chandelier. That's the, and, do you remember those? Yeah. And, and I remember sitting there and we would all kind of catch up on what's going on in everybody's life. And, and we would drink that Coca-Cola and, and you'd get it all over your lips. And as a kid, you just, you want to get all of it. And I remember, I think the reason that we would rush to the door to see who was there every time is because when we heard that doorbell, it triggered the insulin in us. It was like, oh, we're going to get sugar. We're going to get a Coke. And so I, I remember that. I remember that was just a big deal when you had company. Now, when the doorbell rings, it's like, shh, freeze, freeze. Nobody move. Nobody. Get the dogs, get the dogs. I, th- I think it's, I think it's the solar guy <laughs> and it never, it never fails. And your kids will be running from downstairs trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. You're like, shh, don't make a noise. Stop. Stop right there. Just in 40 years, the difference. Now I remember also what we, the way we would travel 40 years ago when I was a kid and we would go on vacation. We would, we really couldn't go on vacation unless we had family to stay with. You had to stay with friends. You had to stay with family. I mean, hotels, they were expensive. That was for rich people. You didn't get to do that. And so through those years, we stayed with all kinds of friends and all kinds of family to the point where when I got to be 40, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I hate staying with friends and family. I love friends. I love family, but I don't want to stay with them. Here's a few reasons. You always get put in the guest room room, right? You get put in the guest room, which isn't really a guest room. It's, it's a weird room. It's just weird. The door is only cracked when guests come over. And then you get the tour of the room. Of course, when you find out where you'll be staying and you walk in and you see a twin bed for two people with star Wars sheets on it. And you see over in the corner is shoved a, a exercise bike that looked like it came out of the weight room of the Titanic. I mean, it doesn't even look like an exercise. It looks more like a medieval torture device. Then you get all the rules about staying, you know, in a guest house and they give you a little tour. Well, this is where you'll be sleeping. And now, now, now look, when you come in, you come in the bathroom, if you, you, this is your toilet. If you use your toilet after you're done, you got to jiggle the handle. <laughs> got to jiggle it. If you don't jiggle it, we'll probably have to evacuate. Then you get the other rules like, well, you know, the, the heat doesn't really work in the room. So I just got you a bunch of blankets. You, you'll, you'll be fine. Except you, they're not blankets. They're Afghans. <laughs> Afghans from your grandma for the last 14 years. And all of them are on this one bed. Now, I like Afghans. I like them. They're warm. They're heavy. One of them is great. But 14 on a bed, Suffocating. I remember with, what was with Rebecca one time and we were staying at a house and it had like all those Afghans on it. And she's like, honey, we, we scratched my back. And I'm like, no, she's like, really? You won't, you won't scratch my back. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Why not? I, I can't move. 
And, and, and the weight was so oppressive. I mean, the next morning I woke up, I had two broken ribs. And then there's always the awkward conversations the next day when you stay at friends or family's house, right? It's always the awkward conversation. How did you sleep? You sleep well? Did you sleep good last night? You lie. You're not going to tell them the truth. You're not going to tell them, yeah, it was great. It felt like I was sleeping on a two by six under a hydraulic press. It was wonderful. (laughs) And then they make the statements like, well, you must have slept good because you were sawing logs. Boy, I could hear you snoring all the way upstairs. What do you do when you get that kind of comment? You're like, thanks. I I mean, thank you. Well, you ought to get one of them, those airstrip things that you put on your nose, you know, to widen up your nose, or maybe one of those Darth Vader masks that pump oxygen in. Maybe you should try those. Yeah, yeah, I'll get right on that. That, That'd be great. But it's awkward. It's, It's awkward to stay with people. And so I just don't do it anymore. I love them, but I don't want to stay with them. The other thing that's happened throughout the years is how we deal with pain or how we're expected to deal with pain. When I was growing up, I playing on football teams and doing different things. I mean, I had this one coach. If you ever got hurt physically, his response was always, walk it off. Dad, coach, I'm really hurt. No, walk it off. And if it was bad enough, he'd say, tape it. Just tape it up. Walk it off. My femur is poking out of the side of my leg. Coach, are you sure? Yeah, walk it off. You'll be fine. Just tape it up. Now, when a kid gets hurt, they get kicked in the shin, you call an ambulance and you get an MRI. I mean, you just like, oh no, poor little guy, he's hurt. But how we've dealt with emotional pain has changed through the years for sure. 30, 40 years ago, we were just expected to deal with whatever emotional pain that hit us. Just deal with it. You can handle it. You don't want to bother people with that. You're strong. You've been, you've been taught to be independent. Don't, deal with it. And what we've seen over the last 30 or 40 years is that that doesn't work. We've all been hurt, right? We've all gone through things in our life that have been painful. And there's some facts of life that we need to understand when it comes to hurt. And number one is that life hurts. We will all experience hurt in our lives. We can't do life and escape it hurt free. It's impossible. And we think back, and a lot of times I think we, 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 we almost forget some of the things that shaped us as a person, some of the painful situations that we went through. And a lot of times those painful situations emotionally are, are, are around a person or, or somebody that hurt us. And maybe it was a, a school teacher or it was a coach. I mean, I had coaches when I was growing up that were so mean. I mean, in your face, calling you every name in the book, telling you how worthless you are. And it was some, it's crazy because it was, that, that, that would take place. And, and people will, thought that was okay. That's fine. Well, it's a coach. It's making them tough. But the wounds that that caused can last forever. I had to go through a huge forgiveness process of a coach that I had in high school that was so mean, that was so belittling, that, that his words cut so deep into my life that it caused scarring and had, or I had issues or I had to deal with it. I had a girlfriend in high school. I was 15 years old and I dated a junior. That's, that, that's a bad thing. <laughs> that's a bad thing. I couldn't drive. She could drive. Of course, we did things that we shouldn't have done. We went down the roads that we shouldn't have gone down. And, and when she broke up with me, it broke my heart. And I think a lot of times as parents, we look at our kids and go, oh, come on, get over it. You're, this is puppy love. This doesn't really count. You're not really in love with him. But understand when you're young and you're, you're, you're in adolescence, you are emotionally becoming mature, but you're not emotionally mature yet. 
And as a mature adult, when we go through breakups or divorce, how scarring that is, how much more then is that on a child? It had great issues with, with dating and with girls because of what this girl did to me at 15 years old. Now, a lot of times we also have hurt that comes from family, that comes from parents. Now, for me, I didn't have that issue. Thank God. I mean, I had great parents, but I had some friends that really betrayed me. When I was a junior in high school, and I've shared this story many times, where I got jumped by a couple of guys. And, and uh, as I was getting beaten, uh, uh, I was on the ground, and one guy was on top of me, and I could, felt another, I could feel the other guy kicking me. And I always thought that that was his brother that was doing that. And I found out a couple of years later that that was actually my best friend at the time that was kicking me while I was down. And when I found that out, it was like it just re-exposed those wounds. And I've had to go through a lot of deliverance and help for that time of, of, of physical beating, which turned into having to deal with emotional issues. So life hurts. Secondly, unless we deal with pain properly when it occurs, it accumulates within our hearts. It stacks up. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle with caffeine as far as it just kind of bothers me. Like I can drink a cup of coffee once in a while or I can have a soda that has uh, caffeine in it and, and it's not any big deal. But if I drink caffeine daily, that caffeine will build up in my system. At least that's what my doctor said. Caffeine builds in your system to where it can make you jittery and it can, can start causing some health problems, especially if you struggle with, with caffeine. And so when I start to feel that coming on, then I have to get off of it. And sometimes when you get off of it, you go through some withdrawals. You can get like caffeine headaches and that kind of thing. And emotional pain is much the same way. It stacks up. And if it's not dealt with, it can really stack up and affect our lives. And the devil, you gotta understand, loves to make us think that we can heal on our own, that we don't have to deal with it, that you, can, you got this. And he whispers lies into your head saying things like, we, we, you don't wanna burden anybody with this. You don't want to burden people. You don't want to be a person that, you know, goes around saying you need help. You can handle it yourself. And he does this because he knows that we are more easily defeatable if we're wounded. So he wants to keep us there. You think about that. If you're uh, in the military and you're out fighting and you get wounded until you get carried off the battlefield and get healed, you're not, you're not worth much on the battlefield. In fact, you can become a liability to the people that are around you. And so much the same way, we have to be careful that, that we don't allow ourselves to be hurt so that the devil can defeat us easier in the future. Thirdly, accumulated pain and unresolved problems compromise our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational health. The longer the hurt is held, the unhealthier we become. A long time ago, I heard a statement that's so true, it stuck with me, that you notice that hurting people hurt people. So if you're being hurt by someone, it's probably because they're hurting themselves. And when we're hurt, we kind of act like a wounded animal. You know, we, we tend to lash out at others. That's part of the reasons why we hurt people is because we're hurting and we want to defend ourselves. So we protect ourselves. I had a little dog one time, his name was Bo, and he was the sweetest little dog. He was so sweet. And, and one time we had company over and I think they drank all of our Coke, but they, when they were there, they had a kid that was holding on to my dog and he, and he dropped him. And when he did, it hurt his leg bad. I mean, messed it up. In fact, he was never the same again after that. But when, when that happened, he ran into a corner 
And he, if we came close to him at all, he started just snarling at us. And if you reached over to try to pick him up, he would bite you. And that hurt, that pain in him caused him to like reject everybody around him that could help him. And that happens a lot with us. We go through pain, we don't deal with it, and we tend to lash out. And here's the truth, which is point number four. We all deal with pain in some way. We're gonna deal with it, right or wrong. Now, there's three ways in particular that we deal with pain in a bad way. And I think sometimes we can see this in ourselves. And one of those ways is that we medicate it. We medicate it. We use food, drugs, alcohol, sex, spending money, whatever we can to forget about that situation or make us feel better for a short period of time. And when we look in the Bible, we can see some people that did just that. King David was one of my favorite people to study in the Bible. I've, I've, I've gotten to write a couple of different curriculums on his life, and I just love studying him. And when you study him, you think about the big high points of his life. You think this is King David. This is a guy that has done so much, and he's the king of Israel, and, he, and he's this powerful warrior. But the truth is, is that David was a wounded, hurt person. When you think back to his younger years, there was a time when Saul was king and Saul was rejected by God because Saul was doing a bunch of stupid things. And so God sends Samuel to Jesse, the house of Jesse, which is David's father, to find the new king. And he says, you're going to find the king there. And so he shows up and tells Jesse what he needs. Jesse lines up all of his sons and Samuel goes through and he, he looks at each one of them and, and, he, and, and he's starting to choose one. And God says, no, 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 no. The next king is not in this room. And so Samuel looks at Jesse and says, don't you have another child? Don't you have another kid? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we had David. He's like the youngest. He's out there. He's watching the goats and the sheep. And he's like, I want to see him. So he brings him in. And before you know it, he has anointing oil running down his face. And he has anointed the next king of Israel. But David wasn't chosen by his father. David wasn't the favorite in his household. And as a result of that, it caused some emotional damage. From there, he goes into the house of Saul. And Saul, if you'll remember, was calling on all the people of Israel for somebody to come and defeat Goliath. And David shows up as a kid and he does it. As a result, Samuel or Saul gives him uh, one of his daughters in marriage. Her name is Michal. And so he rewards him. And he says, you always have a place at my table. So, so David comes. He starts hanging out with the family of, uh, of Saul. He makes, he makes a, his best friend for life, which is Saul's son, Jonathan. And he starts hanging out in the home. And you know he's got to be thinking, well, finally, somebody's going to accept me. Finally, I have somebody that can mentor me. Finally, I'm going to have a father figure in my life. But within a very short period of time, Saul's love for him changes to jealousy because David is seen as this great leader. David is seen as a man with great favor on him and Saul sees him as a threat. So instead of mentoring David, Saul tries to kill him. In fact, over and over again, chapter after chapter in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we'll see in the life of David, his rejection, but you will see Saul chasing David to kill him. David's hiding in caves in the desert. And not only is it just Saul, but Saul raises the entire army of Israel to go find David and to kill him. David's wounded. David's hurting. 
David's been rejected by those that he loved the most. In fact, there's times in scripture where he's calling out to Saul. He's crying out to him saying, why are you doing this to me? Why are you chasing me? You know, I love you. You know, I love your son. I want to be a part of your family. Why are you trying to kill me? And then Saul would feel bad. All right, David, I'm sorry. You're right. I'll go home. And and that would last for a short period of time. And then he would go out and he would hunt him again and try to kill him again. That was David's life for a long time. So how did David deal with it? How did David deal with the hurts of his past? Well, he medicated it. And he medicated it with sex. He medicated it with women. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Now you might say, well, that's customary during that time. You know, that was just normal. That was normal behavior for pagan countries, but not for God's people. In fact, scripture says in Deuteronomy 17, 14, the children of Israel coming into the promised land. And the Bible says, you're about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over and settle there, you might think we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. If this happens, he says, the king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. Now, this way of dealing with things, I think a lot for, for, for a lot of us, we think, well, nobody will ever be hurt by that. In, in today's society, you may not go out and get 700 wives and 300 concubines, but maybe your addiction is sex and it's through pornography. And you can look at as many different women as you want. Those are emotional connections that you're making. And even though you're not physically doing the things with those women that David was doing with his wives and concubines, your soul, your emotions don't know the difference. And so very quickly, we can get addicted to something like pornography. And that becomes our medication. But we think, you know what? I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm not hurting anybody by this. I'm not hurting anybody by doing this. But the truth is, is you are. It can cause all kinds of issues, this addiction. And not only can it cause issues with you and those that are closer around you, but it can become a generational curse in your family. We see this happen in Solomon. Solomon is David's son. Solomon has his own issues. What does Solomon do? He medicates it too. When he becomes king, he gets 700 wives and 300 concubines as well. Now you might think, well, that must be in a manual somewhere for kings. Like you can have 700 wives, but you can't have 701. Why did he choose that? It was a generational curse. He did exactly the same thing that he had learned from his father. He was medicating his pain. Now earlier we said that people that are hurting hurt others. So how does this medication way of dealing with things hurt others? Well, we hurt others because of that addiction. And I think that we can all look at people in our life and maybe it's ourselves, and we're, we're addicted to something. And that addiction is starting to affect and hurt the other, others around us. But maybe it's not medicating it. Maybe it's motivating it. Maybe we motivate in a reaction to our pain. And this is where you just make yourself busy. And so busy, you don't think about your hurt. You just uh, submerge yourself into uh, a work. And Solomon not only medicated his issues, but he also motivated them as well. And we see him do this in scripture and he writes about it. So he gets later in life 
and he starts becoming, uh, uh, learning from his mistakes and he starts looking over his life and what, what gives him satisfaction. And he writes in Ecclesiastes 2.4, it says, I also try to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in, in hard work, a reward for all my jobs. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And as you go on and you read Ecclesiastes, what you find is a man who was trying to cover those hurts, trying to cover that pain, trying to fill his life with something. But what he realized was the only thing that would fill him was God. The only thing that would bless him, the only thing that would, that would fill those holes in his heart was a relationship with God. Now, maybe you don't work too much, but the way this method manifests in you is through control. When you're hurt, you just try to control everything so you won't get hurt again. Have you seen that before? I mean, maybe you've done that before. And left unchecked, this way of dealing with your pain will make you dread your days. It'll steal your relationships Friends and family will want to avoid you and can even lead to severe conditions of hoarding and obsessive compulsive disorders, all of which are ways to try to control and make sure that you're not hurt again. So the way these people hurt others is through their avoidance. Their avoidance of close relationships, their avoidance of dealing with the issue and just trying to control the situation. You say to yourself, I'm going to protect myself and, by do, and the way I'm going to do that is by staying away from people and controlling everything I can control. Or maybe you meditate on it. Maybe that's the third way that you do it and not in a positive way. And when you meditate on something, you just stew on it. Are you the kind of person that when you are hurt, you can't stop? thinking about it, right? It gets in your head and you just, you mull it over, over and again. And, and you have, you have these make believe arguments in your mind with the person that hurts you. You fantasize about ways to get even with them. We see this in the life of Davis oldest, oldest son, Absalom. He goes through a situation in his life where he has a sister who he loves. Her name is Tamar. And she is raped by his half brother, Amnon. As a result, uh, Absalom is wanting some action to be taken. He looks to his father. He's thinking, surely, David, this warrior, this man who always judges righteously, this man that is a right fighter, that makes things right, he'll deal with it. But David never did. In fact, two years go by. And while that time is going on, Absalom is just stewing. He's just getting more and more angry. He's getting mad, more mad at Amnon. He's getting more mad at his father to the point where he starts scheming, how can I make this right? How can I fix this situation? So one day he throws a party and he has his, uh, he has his half-brother murdered. And, that didn't, and it didn't stop there. David then rejected Absalom that much more, so Absalom decided, I'm just gonna take over the kingdom. 
I hate my father. I hate the way he's run in the country. I hate what he's done in our family. So I am going to take what is the most precious to him. I'm going to take his kingdom. And he did that. And he had a coup and he won the hearts of the people. And before you know it, David lost his entire kingdom and Absalom took it from him. All because Absalom didn't handle the hurt the right way. He meditated on it. And those of us that struggle with this, which is me, I struggle with it. Man, this is an area that I struggle with. If I'm gonna handle pain in an unsafe way, an unhealthy way, it's gonna be this. And the way we hurt others with it is through our anger. Not too long ago, I was going through a situation in my life of hurt and I wasn't dealing with it well. And my wife came to me and she said, Tim, you know, you're not, you're not right. Not, not handling these things right. You have this low level of anger and frustration that's right under the surface. And anytime something happens to you, instead of handling it in the right way, you, you immediately go to frustration and anger. And she was right. Because I meditated on this situation to the point where it was controlling me. Now, Every family member has someone, every family has a member that handles these situations in one of these ways. You can probably think of them. And maybe it's not in just one of those ways. Maybe they do it in a couple, just like Solomon. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when we see those that we love handling the pain in these different negative ways. Which leads us to number five, and that is that the only way to stop the hurt and totally resolve it is to turn it over to God. And Matthew 5, 4 says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we allow ourselves to grieve and process our pain, God will comfort us. But here's the thing. We got to admit we have pain that needs to be dealt with. The most dangerous person is a person that cannot see pain in their own life. Now I was sitting where you were sitting and I thought to myself, I've dealt with the pain in my life. I've dealt with the issues in my life. I mean, I do ministry. I've, I've been over the deliverance ministry. I, I speak on spiritual warfare. I talk about strongholds all the time. I, I surely cannot have an issue with past hurt or pain, but I did. And so this morning, what I wanna do because this is a two-part series, or it's kind of a, it's actually a five-part series, and we're doing these last two, but this is going to be continued on to next week. But what I want to do first, because I think sometimes we do altar calls, and, and we try to, try to fix everything in just one altar call. The truth is, this is a big deal, and we're in process. And so what I want to do this morning is just start off this process of healing with asking God what it is that we need to deal with. And as we worship in this last song, which, man, this is one of my favorite worship songs right now. I listen to it every day this week. But as we worship this together here in a second, I, I hope and I ask that the Holy Spirit what could cultivate in us a, 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 a spirit of healing, that he would reveal to us anything that we do need to work on. The first step we have to take is admitting it. And then the second step is we got to run to the Father. We got to run to the Father. And, and there's going to be times in your life where you're going to get healing and it's just going to be God. He's just going to touch you and you're just going to be healed. But most of the time, we've got to do our part. 
We gotta take the steps to the healing, which is what we're gonna talk about next week. And we're gonna go through those steps and then we're gonna have an opportunity to really get some healing at the end of that service. But as we sing this song, I pray this over you right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken your words of knowledge in us, that you would give us visions of of the things that we need to do, people we need to forgive, steps we need to take to dump this pain. Lord, I pray right now that we would not drag this hurt into a new year, but we'd get rid of it. We'd stop it. We would say enough is enough. And I pray as we sing to you now, as we run to you, God, for our answer, that you would fill us to overflowing would heal us. That you, Lord God, would do a new work in us. Help us to be able to drop off this baggage. We pray these things in Jesus' name. So would you stand with us? Would you worship with us? Maybe you've heard this song before. I love the lyrics. Let these lyrics in the Lord minister to you.
So Father, we run to you now and uh, we just need you. You're the only answer. And I pray, Lord, that as we go back into this week, that you would continue to work on us. Holy Spirit, cultivate us for freedom. Cultivate us for healing. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to whisper things to us throughout the week of things we need to bring to mind, people that we need to forgive. Lord, help us to come back next week so ready to receive that healing and get the steps that we need to take to get that healing. Lord, I praise you for loving us. I praise you, Lord God, that want to see us healed. You came that we might have life and have it to an abundance. What a sweet gift that is, but Lord, for many of us, we're not living that abundant life because we're just, we're weighed down, weighed down from the hurt. You're the great physician. You're the great healer. I pray that even now you begin to heal things in us. Change our perspective, change our mindset, destroy strongholds, do the things that you need to do in us to give us the freedom that we want, that you desire for us, and we love you. Bring us back safely next week. In fact, we come against the enemy, come against the devil, anybody, anything that would try to distract us from coming back and getting the steps to healing that we need. Lord, we will be ready. Our hearts will be ready to receive that. We love you. We thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.